Alright, l well today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 17. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 13 in the ESV. And um, we encourage you to find the scripture. Um, there are a few Bibles. If uh, you are sitting in a chair, uh, your Bibles, the Bibles are actually underneath you. Uh, or if you brought your own Bible or Bible app, you can definitely look that up. It's Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. We'll also project it behind me. And um, as is uh, our tradition here, uh, if you can please stand as able for the reading of God's word, that would be awesome. Again, it's Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Look, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain... Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, then why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased, so also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right, friends. Well, it is my uh, joy and privilege to uh, uh, welcome our, our guest speaker for today, David Beck. And uh, David has been uh, serving in so many capacities. He has served at uh, different points in our ministry as the, the postgrad lead at one point. Uh, he has been leading the youth group. Um, he has been uh, the youth group Uh, director for the past five years. Uh, he was uh, a pastoral intern this past year, and so came and spoke for us uh, a couple times uh, in that capacity. And I was a little surprised, to be honest, uh, about a month ago when David asked me, because uh, I knew this would be his last Sunday, and he said, Pastor Steve, is it weird if I speak on my last Sunday? And I was like a little conflicted, because I was like, wouldn't you like not want to work on your last Sunday? But Uh, I think that's David's heart, is he really wanted to, to, to you know, share a, a word of blessing with this community. Um, yeah, just a, a kind of, you know, in his last Sunday here. And, um, yeah, we're just really grateful to hear from David. And uh, without further ado, let's give him a, a warm welcome. Hi, everyone. Um, so for today's message, uh, the title for the message is A Glimpse of Eternity. And again, the scripture is based on Matthew 17, 1 through 13. Um, so I want to start off uh, today's sermon by sharing uh, the story of the first time I asked someone out. Um, so it was the start of my last semester in college. It took me 22 years <laughs> to do this 
finally. And there was this girl that I liked for about a year. And I prayed about it. I spoke to people about it. There was this whole process. But finally, at the end of that year, I was able to muster up all the courage I had. I was like, hey, you want to grab a meal at Sadako? Uh, maybe not the best place to, have a, for, to, have, to ask someone out. But um, I was able to do this. And uh, ultimately, you know, we sat down. And you know, I think for her, she thought it was a meetup. I wasn't very direct. A lot of things didn't go too well. But uh, at the end, I asked her. All right, and I, I confessed. I was like, hey, I like you. Uh, would, you, would you think about going on a date with me? Even though it's kind of weird because it was <laughs> an unspecified one already. Um, and so she took a moment to respond. And I remember this moment felt like eternity. Right? I was like waiting. And it's really only just a few seconds. But I'm just sitting there. I'm waiting for this response. And it's such a long time. And ultimately, she was like, no, thank you, but no. Um, and she, she had a good reason. There, there was a lot of good things that she, a lot of good reasoning that she said. Um, even if she didn't have good reasoning, it's fine. Um, but I just remember that moment to hear the response felt like eternity. Um, so how about y'all? Have you been in that situation where, man, you just, you liked someone for such a long time, and you finally have the courage to be able to, like, confess it to them? Or maybe it's the other way around. You like someone for a long time, and they confess to you. But ultimately, there might be this moment where after the confession is shared, you're waiting, and it's like, oh my God, this, this is taking so long. Why is it? It feels like eternity at this point. Um, have you felt that before? Or in another setting, maybe there's a moment where you see an accident happening. And a lot of times, people will say that it felt like an eternity. Like, I saw it happening, and like, some, for some reason, time expands during that time. And it's like, hey, it feels like eternity. Uh, I bring these moments up because uh, these, these moments, again, give us a glimpse of eternity and how we feel in that moment. Uh, and eternity for me has long been a concept that I have, so, I have a hard time wrestling with because I cannot fathom, I cannot think through what eternity is. Um, and I've, even when I think of heaven, and you know, that's kind of what we think of, of eternity in the Christian faith, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that it will be in a perfect place with a perfect God for all time. Uh, and yet there has been a work that God has been doing in my life where no longer do I see eternity as a concept of fear, but as a concept of hope. And uh, so today I wanted to go through a message with you that shows us what it will be uh, to see a glimpse of eternity. And so, uh, again, we'll be looking into God's word in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 13. Uh, and so the first part that I want to go through is this, which I don't know if it's showing up, but... Um, verses 1 through 4. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led, him, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his, fame, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And so in this first portion of uh, the passage here, what I want to show is that there is a glimpse of eternal glory and community that we see here. Because Jesus, he's, he's, he's in uh, like human form right? this whole time. right? He, he looks and he lives as a human as we do. And yet this is one of the first, if not the only time, that we see him in a more divine state. His face is shining like the sun. His clothes are as white as light. This happens kind of without warning, out of nowhere. And the disciples are like, what's going on? And not only that, but you have two prominent figures in the Jewish faith, 
who are with him, perhaps two of the most important people, right? maybe besides Abraham. You have Moses and Elijah, who is with God. And so I think what this reminds me of right, is it is a glimpse of an eternal glory that we will be able to see of what God is like. And then I also wonder, too, like, man, I wonder what it's going to be like when I see Jesus in heaven. Right? Is he just going to be like a dude? And I'm just going to be like, oh, wow, this Jesus. Like, wow. Um, is he going to appear in this divine form? And I'm going to be like, oh, my God, I can do nothing but, like, but just be in wonder. Right? I don't, or am I just going to be whelmed? I, I don't know. Um, but I think one thing I continually have to repeat and have to remember is, like, man, I get these glimpses of, I get to have these glimpses of glory and this, this sense of what the work that God is doing as well as who he is while I'm here on earth. Uh, and not only that, but when, God, when Jesus appears in that sort of glorious form, he also has with him Moses and Elijah, which shows the sense of a community that we will be able to have in eternity. And so why is it Moses and Elijah? Well, uh, from what I was able to research and read, uh, it, a lot of people believe it is because Moses is a representation of the law, and Elijah is a representation of the prophets, um, both law and prophets being the things that Jesus will come to fulfill uh, at the end of his ministry and a time here on earth. And so they're kind of the representative peoples uh, for him. And uh, they're not there just like standing as like statue figures, like on either side of Jesus. But like they're like, they're talking with him, they're communing with him, and they're communicating with him, right? And so what are they talking about? Um, and so if we go to another portion, uh, is that it? That's not it. Um, well, if we look at Luke 9, 30 to 31, it says, And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So when Jesus, Elijah, and Moses are all talking, they're talking about what's going to happen very soon at the cross. Right? And so imagine what it's like for Moses. Right? For his life and the work that he has done, it is wrapped up in him being able to write and record the law. And he's being... He's talking to Jesus on the moment for when that will be fulfilled. His life's work is going to be fulfilled, and he's able to talk to the guy who's going to do it. Right? There is a glimpse of, of what it's going to be like when we can be with God, and we can understand, perhaps we can talk to God, like, why was I here? And we are able to understand these things. For Elijah, he's able to talk to Jesus in a way where, in his prophecy, he knows that it will be fulfilled, that there will be hope that is fulfilled, and he will know that his suffering was not in vain. He will have this hope, and, and, and it is the fulfillment of the work that Elijah has done through his life as a prophet that will come to fruition, and, they, and Elijah is able to have a glimpse of what that will look like in fulfillment. And so, again, these disciples are able to have a glimpse of the glory of God, not just with just Jesus, but also with the community that appears before them, with Moses and Elijah as well. Um, so not just in Scripture, but where do we see this in our personal lives? And for this, I ask, if you want to close your eyes, close your eyes, but just think, maybe for a lot of you, you've had a moment at a retreat, at a camp, where there was just this moment where you were just so, uh, what's the word, just, it was just so thick with the presence of God, and you just knew for certain that it was there, and there was this holy moment that you were able to experience the goodness of God. Right? Maybe it's done in worship with one another. So again, maybe it's at a camp setting. Maybe it was at LGM where you were worshiping. For some reason, the lyrics hit you harder on that day than before. And there's this glimpse of the glory and the goodness of God that we have, if not for a moment, is a glimpse of the eternal glory and community that we will have with God. And so uh, perhaps there's that experience. Or maybe you're just with a small group of people and you're just hanging out. And, and something about it, there's this beautiful glimpse of, of an eternal, just good community. 
And so like yesterday, I was able to have dinner uh, with a couple of friends of mine, and there was an impromptu kind of worship session that broke out. Um, and during that time, uh, it was just this beautiful sight of being able to see a glimpse of what worship will be like in heaven. Um, but in heaven, what I can anticipate is a worship of all tongues, of all tribes, of all nations. There will be this restored, redeemed worship that we will be doing, and not just in community with one another, solely for the sake of being in community with one another, but it will be all geared and centered towards the worship of the one who is worthy of it. And so in this passage, we see a glimpse of the glory and community that we will be able to have for all eternity. Uh, but it doesn't just stop there. And so the last uh, portion where Peter says, I, uh, should I make three tents, like one for Moses, one for you, Jesus, like one for Elijah? Um, it's, it's, it's often stated in the other books that Peter was just saying the first thing that came to his mind because he's, he's having a mind-blowing moment. Um, but in this, there is this risk that he's, that he's saying of um, just saying, like, oh, Jesus, Elijah, and Moses are all on equal setting. Right? And so let's go on to the next portion and see what else we see a glimpse of in eternity. Um, verses 5 through seven, or through 8, we have this. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright light overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And so in this passage, what we have is a glimpse of the eternal identity that we will have with Christ. Because as Peter is still speaking, God just interrupts him and is like, hey, I'm just going to let you know right now that on some level, yes, there's three prominent figures, but Jesus is set apart from these other two whom you view already so highly. There is a separate holiness about Jesus in that he is my beloved son, so listen to him. I'm well pleased with my son. And this is the identity that God again establishes with Jesus. And as God does this, the disciples have, of course, this holy and reverent fear. This voice is coming from the clouds, and they're like, oh my God, like, what's going on? Their faces are going down. And yet, Jesus' response is not like theirs. Jesus there has no mention that he was terrified, and yet he was, he, he was there, he was listening. He had no fear. And he was able to communicate to the disciples, hey, have no fear. And what is this a glimpse of? It is a glimpse of the eternal identity that we will have in Christ. And so it is, a, yeah, it is a glimpse that God and Jesus will give to us on the cross where the righteousness of, and the righteousness and the, the perfection of the Son will be, will be given to us. And we will be able to identify uh, with God. Um, we can be in relation with God through that. And so even as Moses um, and Ezekiel are talking to Jesus about what's going to happen at the cross, when they're talking, it references that um, they're talking about Jesus' departure Departure, the Greek word that's being used here is the exodon, the exodus of Jesus, of what's going to happen in Jerusalem. So not only, um, so, so the way in which God, Jesus will lead us there is like a greater exodus. Moses led his people in enslavement to a, the promised land, and yet Jesus is going to be a greater fulfillment of this as the, the glimpse that we have with Jesus' work is that we are going to be freed from sin and death, and we will be led to the promised land where we will be with God forever in perfect unity and harmony and in perfect identity with him. And so imagine that. Imagine an eternity where your identity will not be placed on the things of this world, where your identity will not be placed in things that will fail you, and yet you will have a perfect, secure, loved, and known identity for all eternity because we have glimpses of that here. We, we hear that a lot on Sundays, and yet we are so prone to forget 
we're so prone to be led astray, we're so prone to doubt, and yet imagine where we will be for all time where that will no longer be there. And imagine what it will be like when we are free from the chains of doubt, of enslavement, and we can be um, in, a, in, a, in a perfect, again, um, har- harmonious, beautiful relationship with God without fear of who he is because we know this is our Father and eventually that we will be able to be seen as, um, as people with whom he is well pleased as he sees his Son in us. And so where do we see these glimpses of, glimpses of identity in our lives here today? Um, maybe it's in the community of Christ. It's in the church where you have people who are able to rebuke one another, who are able to speak truth, who are able to encourage one another right, in Christ. And there are these moments where we communicate it to one another. Um, but also, if there's anything I've learned at LGM in the past five years, <laughs> what Pastor Steve speaks about all this time, um, there are the spiritual disciplines that we have as well. Right? For God says uh, about Jesus, listen to him. And what is a better way that we can place ourselves in a position to listen to God than in moments like reading scripture or in contemplative prayer, where the whole point is to be silent before the Lord and to be able to hear his voice and to be able to hear um, and and know who uh, our Father and our Shepherd is. And so that's where we see these glimpses of of our identity and eternity uh, in this passage um, but after this whole time, when they see and they, they experience this glorious moment, they do not stay at the top of that mountain where, they, where all this happens. They are left with just Jesus only. And so we continue on to the remainder of the passage. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased, so the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So these disciples have this glorious, great moment, uh, and yet after they see it is Jesus only, they start coming down from the mountain. So this kind of represents... Um, that when we think of eternity, we do not just stop and bask in it for all time. We don't just be like, hey, I'm just going to wait for heaven to appear. Right? I'm just going to wait till I die so I can experience this. But there is this going down from this glorious moment back to this world that is broken, back to this world where they know Jesus will die, back to this world that is filled with sin and brokenness and, 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 and just in need of healing all over the place. Right? And in this, we see a glimpse of eternal purpose. That... Um, and, and, and the ways of what to do, what we will do, what we shouldn't do, and all these different things. And so um, before I kind of get there, I do want to go back to this passage when Jesus tells them not to tell anyone. And so simply put, uh, Jesus during this time is, is telling them, hey, don't tell anyone because he knows that people are either A, they're not going to believe it, uh, B, it's going to test their faith rather than affirm or bless their faith, and three, it might cause others to try and stop Jesus from being killed. Uh, and so right before this passage, you have Jesus telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to have to die. And Peter's like, no, Jesus, don't do it. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Right? And so I think it's, and when Jesus says, don't tell anyone about this, it's also to prevent more cases like that. Because know, Jesus knows he will have to die uh, at the cross. Um, but another way that we can think of this passage uh, is actually from John Wesley, who wrote in his notes and his commentary about this. Not to the rest of the disciples, lest they be grieved and discouraged because they were not admitted to see this glorious sight. Nor to any other persons, lest it encourage some the more, and his approaching, or lest it should enrage some the more. 
and his approaching suffering shall make others disbelieve it. So the Son of Man may be risen again, till the resurrection should make it credible and confirm their testimony about it. Until that time comes, Jesus says, hey, don't, don't tell anyone about this. And then we go to the questions about Elijah. So why is Elijah important? Um, so Elijah is important... Uh, Elijah is important because in Malachi 4.5, it says, Behold, I will send you uh, Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So this is what the disciples know of the law, of uh, the, the, the scripture that they do have during that time. And so they're like, wait, so you just came here, and then Moses and, Eli- and like Ezekiel came, or Moses and Elijah came, like, what? Like, isn't he supposed to come before you? Um, and so Jesus just clarifies to them uh, that, um, A, technically Elijah did come 900 years ago, or around that time during this point, uh, but B, the person that came before him, is, that Elijah will come. When Jesus comes again at the, at the great and dreadful day of the Lord, uh, people believe that to be when Jesus returns. Right? And so Elijah will come then, but Elijah, in a sense, has already came because he has come in the form of John the Baptist. And so this... Uh, we see in Matthew 11, 12, 14, when it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been reigning it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who was to come. And so that's why in verse 13, the disciples knew that, oh, okay, you told us this like six chapters ago, like John the Baptist is Elijah. And so that's, you know, they're, they're understanding like the whole process of what's going on. And they're understanding okay, what is the purpose of these things, right? What is the purpose of what's going on? And there are things that's going to have to happen before um, ultimately the fulfillment of what is to come. And so um, I think for us, you know, how can we understand it in the way that we live now, right? The kingdom of heaven, um, it is an already, is a place that is already here now. Jesus comes and one of his greatest messages is to proclaim that the kingdom is here now. And yet there is still like this, this weird in-between time where it's like it's already established and fulfilled and yet there is a work that we can participate for this, for this to happen. And so um, a, a word that I want to bring up is called eschatology. Uh, it is a seminary word and you can take a seminary course on it. It's some wonky stuff. Um, but ultimately, it's the study of what the Bible says is going to happen in the end times. Or you can think of it as uh, how Google defines it, a theology concerned with death, judgment, and the final destiny of uh, the soul and of humankind. And so I bring all this up because what this, this glimpse gives us, again, is eternal purpose. And so in the way that we live our lives, we can live it with an eschatological purpose, meaning in the actions of what we do, understanding that there is a, both a future and a present way in which it is participating in the kingdom of heaven. And so what are some commands or what are some things that we can do to fulfill this purpose? Well, we have Matthew 28, um, and just briefly summarize, go and make disciples of all tongues, of all tribes and nations, disciples of all tongues, tribes and nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You also have Proverbs 31, ultimately, uh, fight for the, defend the rights of the poor and needy. In the Lord's Prayer, you have lines like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and um, lastly, Matthew 22, you have uh, the all too familiar, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the purposes in which we can live in, uh, in, in a way where we participate in the coming of the kingdom that is already here and now. Because there, there is this weird tension that we have here. And another way that we think of it is, in Christianity, there is something called sanctification and justification. Sanctification is our time here when we are being sanctified and purified in a way where we are, it's when we grow in our faith. 
It's when we become more like Jesus. This is the process of sanctification at work because there is still sin that we struggle with. And there is justification, which is we are already justified um, before God because of the work that Jesus has done. There is the present and the thing that's happening here, and then there's the already fulfilled future. And just like you have those two sort of conflicting and yet weird tension, you have that in the kingdom of heaven where there is still a work to be done here. There are still things that have to be done. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and yet the kingdom of heaven is already here now. There is a fulfillment of that. And so when we live here on this earth, we live with an eternal purpose, with an eschatological purpose that, also, that views eternity, but at the same time views the present here. Because I don't think it's any surprise to anyone when we say that this world is filled with brokenness, when it's filled with hatred, when it's filled with, with sin, and, and, and the cost of all of that, and the consequence of all that. And so ultimately, again, we are able to see a glimpse of an eternal purpose. And this, this vision and all these things, even though Peter, um, John, and James, uh, they don't mention it uh, until the, the, the coming, uh, until, God, uh, is, until Jesus resurrects and he ascends, um, we see that it does motivate their ministry. Because in Second Peter, um, it's it ultimately summed up, it says um, that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice uh, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Um, and, I, and I bring this up again because in this time where they have a sense of eternal glory, community, identity, and purpose, um, this fuels them then to live in a way that glorifies God, that lives in a way where they're becoming more like Christ, where they live in a way where they participate in the coming of the fulfillment of the kingdom, which is already here and now and fulfilled. And so, yeah, where do we see glimpses of purpose in this? Again, there's a lot of things that are wrong with our world here today, right? There's things like racism with sexism, um, ableism, and you can go off on that tangent. You can see that there is just social issues, there are are mental health issues, so many things going on. And in this, we can participate in the work of the kingdom of heaven when we participate in these things. And so, um, why does this all matter, right? What application does this have in our life? Um, I kind of went through it throughout the passage, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Um, So I can just summarize it in these three things. And the first one is this. Look for and remember the glimpses of glory, both personally and in community of God. And so take some time. Just write in a journal or just reflect through the times when you had these moments where, man, something about this moment was so real. The glory of God was here. The presence of God was here. And remember it and let it be something that fuels you forward. When it is a struggle in your faith, when you do have doubt, to be able to remember the work that God has done and to be able to say, oh, yeah, that's what it's going to be like. I want to, re- I, I want to strive towards that again. And then the second one is this, learn and remember our ultimate identity in Christ. Again, we do this in community with one another. Be able to speak truth, know truth, and be able to say it and have the courage to be able to say it to the brothers and sisters here today or for those who will come later. But also, take that time to put yourself in a position to listen to him, to listen to Christ, to listen to God um, purposefully. And then lastly, again, live to participate in the work of the kingdom that is here and that is to come. And if that means taking a step, maybe it means going to a protest, maybe it means learning more of the words so that you're able to share about it well. Or, um, and, and there's so many different ways that we can participate in this that is not limited to just being in the church, but just being in the outside world. 
and being able to serve and love in a way that, that points others to Christ, that gives others these glimpses of eternity, of what it will be like, and this hope and then this joy that we have for eternity. And so, um, yeah, I close with this. Uh, LGM, I uh, thank you for being a place where I have so many glimpses of eternity. Thank you for being a place where I have seen the goodness of God through the love and the grace that you have given to me and, and all the ways that I've just been able to see God's work done through you guys. And thank you for being a community um, that reminds me more often of the community that we'll see in Christ, even though there's a lot of work here yet to be done. Thank you for being that community. Thank you for being a place that will give me, that that has given me so many glimpses of heaven. Uh, My prayer for LGM is that y'all will continue to be this faithful church, that when others come, that they will be able to see multiple, numerous moments and glimpses of what eternity will be like because they see the worship that is happening with uh, a community of people that is beholden and loved uh, and love one another. That is something so different than what this world has to offer. That LGM will continue to be a place that will be active in the work that is going on in the outside world and not just limited to the work inside the church. And, you know, this might be as early as this upcoming year where there's going to be new middle school students, high school students, um, college students, postgrad family, right? There, there is such a real and present opportunity that is here for y'all to be able to serve, to, be, to, to, to help point others glimpses of eternity. And so um, I just want to close with this. Um, as Pastor Steve frequently says for all the brothers and sisters who transition out of LGM, friends, there are no real, there are no true goodbyes in the kingdom of heaven, but only see you later. And it's a little bit, I'm not going to try to be dramatic. I'm going to see a lot of you on, like, Tuesday. <laughs> like, I hope to see many of you in my lifetime many times. Um, but, man, what I anticipate is the day where we will all be in eternal worship with one another, uh, with all the tongues, with all the tribes, nations, and the saints through the ages. And we will be worshiping for eternity to our great God. So, praise Ben. Uh, if you can come on up. Um, we'll be uh, closing, time, closing and ending uh, this message with just some prayer. Um, and during this time of prayer, I want to ask, man, try to remember those moments in which you saw the, the reality of God here. Maybe it was a moment that reminded you of how good God was. Um, and if you haven't had that moment, that's fine too. Then take this time to ask God, Lord, show me a glimpse of eternity of what it will be like with you. Um, and so, yeah, let's just take some time to pray uh, to ourselves, and then I'll pray to close this out, and we will go into the worship. Let's pray. every day that you give to us, that we can uh, just be able to live, just be able to experience all that you have planned for us. uh, Lord, we pray, may we be a body of Christ, may we be a church that has its eye on the present here, but in the fulfillment and the things that is to come. Lord, may we be a people who bask and who who, who look to these moments of eternity, knowing and having hope in in, in the joy that we'll one day experience, while at the same time, living and serving in this world and loving the world. 
um, in where you have placed us, in the, the sort of conviction that you have given to us, because Lord, there is there is much need of, of work to be of work here to be done. Lord, we anticipate uh, Lord the, the the true fulfillment of the kingdom, um, and yet Lord remind us that it is already here and now. That it is not uh, by the work that we're going to do that's going to bring it to reality. But Lord, it is a place that is already here and now. And may we remember that. May we have our hope and our joy in that as we participate in that building that is happening. Lord, and we thank you. We pray that uh, for yeah, we pray that we will be able to worship you for eternity, um, knowing that you are glorious, knowing that you are good. So, Lord, would you be with us and guide us? In your name, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We say, Amen. Let's rise for worship.